This is a HeadGum Podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... I'm Olivia Kennedy, but some people call me Liv. Whoa! It changes every time. It changes every time. It does, yeah. Yes. I mean, I was like, do I do the high or do I not? I quite like the high. I quite like the high too. I feel like you can bring the high back. I feel like you can bring the high back if you want. And Uh, I will just make a suggestion. If you want, you could also just like, Mm. there's a question. Is there going to be a high? Is there not going to be a high? Are you going to do something else? Are you going to start? Are you just going to greet us in a different language every time? Yo. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Ciao. That's one. Yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. But anyway, uh, my name is Jeremy Cobb. Hi. And uh, Carson calls me your friendly is too strong of a word neighborhood DM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Excellent. It's much it's too. Good I would say it's not. It's it's too strong of a word. It's just completely inappropriate a word. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> it just shouldn't be anywhere near that kind of context. So like I get what you're going for, but like. You know, still, I think it's just we should just avoid friendly. Generally, <laughs> we're not yeah. even we're not even making overtures towards no. geniality. No, or congeniality. no, 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 no. Just, We shouldn't just... be going anywhere near congeniality no. in this yeah, instance because there negative. is there is none. It's all negative. It's all negative. <laughs> um, so, halflings, we we're returning back to an old topic because this is Fishboy Five: Rise of the Booyah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, oh, rise we, of Booyah. Rise, rise of, of Booyah. Booyah. Apologies. Yes. Rise of Booyah. Ah. Um, yes. Fishboy Five: uh, Rise of Booyah is uh, is going to be a little discussion that we're going to have about. Um, uh, let me think. Some people who uh, open their mouths and say <laughs> things that you think. Hmm, you said a thing, and I wonder whether you should have said that. Um, mm-hmm. It pro- adds to a long list of people. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about some recent controversy surrounding Joss Whedon again. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just because, uh, as was referenced in Fishboy 4, uh, Return of the Booyah, uh, it's, I think it's a very pertinent topic for uh, dealing with kind of diversity and race within uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these kind of fantasy mediums and how we deal with the, the reaction and fallout of those things. Um, it's mm-hmm. a very pertinent to- topic. But we have a little bit extra for you today because uh, make sure you stick around to the end of the episode as we did a little interview with Navar Jackson for our first ever Shire Folk Spotlight, which is where yeah, we will, a new segment where we will be uh, basically uh, handing the mic over and interviewing uh, some amazing creators and people that we've met uh, along the way uh, and uh, just sharing a bit of love. And so please stick around and listen to that. Navar is uh, super awesome. And both myself and Jeremy, I think by the time this goes out, will have been on their uh, podcast, The Secret Nerd Podcast. So super excited uh, for you all to listen to that. Yes. Um, awesome. But for now, uh, it is Fishboy 5, Rise of Booyah. God. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> Let's make them even more black! 
bitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. Oh, no. On a nat 20. No. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. Get into something real big now. The dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge, in the sinister voice <laughs> of the late Joss Whedon. Oh no! I'd rather hear Palpatine or something at this point. I think honestly, over the intercom. Do it. Do it. You don't don't, don't say it, Joss. Just do it. Walk it back, Joss. <laughs> Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Um, so yes, uh, for any of you that don't have context, I would absolutely recommend um, pausing this episode, going back and listening to Fishboy 4, Return of the Booyah, which is a previous episode we did. I think it was episode 49. Uh, but go check out that episode uh, as we sort of di- we, we talk more broadly about the whole subject. Um, and uh, we do we can do a lot more from, we did a lot more from like Ray Fisher's perspective on this, which mm-hmm. is sort of responding uh, in this particular episode so pause now go listen to that one and then come back to this one um it's fish boy 4 not fish boy 49 which was something that i thought <laughs> just yeah, fish boy 4 fish boy 4 uh it is episode 49 that's just the name of the episode yes. Fish Boy 4. Um, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. jeremy uh why don't we start off perhaps with some of these uh, responses that we've got from joss and why this whole thing has reared its ugly head again yes so uh, essentially, Joss Whedon, in an interview with Vulture, has uh, popped back up and has decided to open his mouth and say some truly wild things uh, in an attempt to defend himself against the various accusations. We got accusations from Ray Fisher. We got accusations from Gal Gadot. We got a- accusations from Charisma Carpenter, uh, mm-hmm. many of which were corroborated by various castmates from, yep. from the Justice League and yeah. from Buffy. And I, was Charisma Carpenter also on Angel? I believe. Yes, yeah. yeah Chris Carpenter from left, of, I think, to go to Angel. Uh, yeah, so all of, I think, Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, uh, the actor who played Spike, James Marsden, a uh, bunch yep. of these people mm. are popping up and saying, yeah, look, I can corroborate uh, this stuff. Uh, and uh, we got Jason Momoa, who was corroborating for Ray Fisher. But yeah. he said... I think it's... Uh, just real quickly as well, This, please go check out this Vulture ad pu- uh, 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 read purely for the sad boy pictures of Joss yo, Whedon, which are in them. It's is, so weird. Like he uh, looked this guy. I'm like, oh God. I'm like, why did they put these in? The man looks bad. Like he looks like he's done something wrong and has spent time in prison for it. Like it's <laughs> like he like, he looks sad. He looks. You should just look like a, really? a dog being scolded. He does. For something. his nose and piss. And the Mad World, the Gary yeah. Jules Mad World cover. <laughs> like yeah, all <laughs> <me are> familiar <laughs> faces. It's just kind of like. Yeah, whilst he's uh, sat in his like million pounds, you know, a couple million pound mansion or whatever, crying yeah. into bags of money that he still gets from his Buffy royalties. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Also, you, yeah, uh, I did not know he had an ear piercing. Uh, it's an interesting look for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, the mm. he, uh, he he first addresses Gal Gadot's comments where she had said that this is a quote from her. She told mm. this to Israeli Channel N12. Uh, he kind of threatened my career and said if I did something, he will make sure my career is miserable. Uh, in response to this, Joss Whedon, uh, this was in him talking to, I think, New York Magazine, said that she, quote, misunderstood him as, quote, English is not her first language. Uh, Hoy! 
Look, how do you miss mistake? <laughs> I'm going to ruin your career. That's pretty yeah. clear cut. I don't know how you can misread that mm -hmm. unless if they thought I'm going to uh, leave. I, I, there's no way I can't look at misunderstand. Gonna careen your career into, into that's still new heights. It is, yes. it is theoretically possible that yes, there was a misunderstanding at some point in their interactions. But my guy, that's not mm. you. Don't no. come. Out. That is that. It just comes off really your silence poorly. With this. It comes off so <laughs> yeah. poorly. Yeah. Am I like like? How are you going to step up to try and defend your accusations of being like a uh, misogynist by doing something that's kind and of bully. like a, a culturally uh, and a mm. bully by being culturally insensitive? Thank you. Oh, well done. Good job. That's like you one bully stuff, right? As being like, oh, you yeah. don't understand because like you're it's not your first language. Like it's a real like out of the playbook of just mm. like and then to go and out yourself publicly with that shit. Like it's, what? It's the way what a choice. it just hit me. If he if, if, if this had been legit, he, uh, there is a way to talk about this that does not come off as him blaming her because there's like a no that was actually just a misunderstanding i've been trying to like clarify it but i don't think we ever really got on the same page about that i very much regret that it happened i did not want it to come across that way yep. no nah, yep. this man is saying nah dude she misunderstood me dude look mm. english isn't her first language what can you do <laughs> yeah like, that's why no. and i think it's really no. worth it's worth saying up top here that we because we've been having this conversation there's a, a number of things recently there really is a way to deal with stuff there really mm. really is a way to deal with stuff and mm. i've seen a couple people do it recently um uh, the troy, troy baker is an example which i think is worth was, mentioning on the show thinking of that immediately um, yeah, yeah because there was a lot of pushback when troy announced that he was going to be doing nfts uh i think they were like vocal nfts or something that he was going to sell mm. or i'm not 100 sure what, as to what the kind of idea or the concept was but basically he was going to do this a lot of people neither was he frankly of, <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh and uh, he and, and there was a lot of pushback and because basically his thing was he kind of said like oh this is going to like mean that you get more uh like in-depth than the games and and whatever and it's just like well this kind of and everyone was like this feels super elitist <laughs> nfts are bad come on my yeah. dude you can do better than this and he was like he literally responded that day nope. and was like look i'm gonna take a minute i need to like think about this and and digest it and like mm -hmm. listen to what everyone's saying he came back a few days later and was like look i've called the thing off i realized this is a complete misstep by my like on my part uh and i don't think it was like a oh i'm running because i'm scared it was genuinely like hold on i'm gonna take a minute to just view this and then yeah. also explore your options right like this man signed contracts and all kinds of things he might not have yeah. been able to get out of it and i think there was just mm. the right way this this is saying oh no, it's not her, her first language it's her fault my dude, she can't even speak. Like this, this it sounds like he's saying. Well, what do you expect? She can't even speak English. Like yeah, that's literally. what it comes off as him saying. She's like, literally. I mean, like, I, I, what? Wonder, I you're mean, saying Wonder Woman, the actress who's she's a movie star. She gets. Yeah. She, it's not like she only got hired for one movie and then everyone went. Ugh. She gets work. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. A honestly. Actress. I genuinely feel she like she speaks English. My guy. Do, do you know what this honestly reminds me of? Do you remember when Jason Momoa said that he struggled to get jobs after Game of Thrones because nobody thought he could speak English? Mm. It's like, yeah, not really 100% happen? people thought he was like, he could. I'm like, he's speaking Dothraki <laughs> in the fucking show. Well, yeah, like, but first like, of all, it's he, a made he up speak language. Dothraki, but like, you know, <laughs> but what can if he, he can't speak, speak anything English? else? We saw him learning it, but I don't know if he actually, if they, he just learned that phonetically. He's a Dothraki, right? <laughs> <laughs> do they have in Dothraki schools, do they have, do they teach English? <laughs> 
if anything, that would be more impressive because he, you know, he made you think that he couldn't speak it. That's how good of an actor he is. Exactly. But the idea. <laughs> the idea of someone googling like do Dothraki children like do Dothraki people tend to speak English like do they do they do they often have like what is Dothraki's second language like typically trying to find out whether Jason Momoa could speak English oh man that is way too funny another example actually wow. of a of an apology from someone who was accused of something something somewhat similar but is Ooh. just a sterling apology that was so good that even the victim came forward and was like, yo, that was a good apology. Uh, if you want to go, uh, Dan Harmon was accused of sexual misconduct in regards to mm. his uh, former uh, staff writer Megan Gans, and he came forward. If it, it's an amazing video, but like mm. on st- live mm. on stage, he admits it. He admits like he gives you a play by play of like where he was coming from. Points out all these areas in which he's like, look, I was wrong here. I was wrong here. I was wrong here. There ain't no excuses. The, you understand where I'm coming from doesn't make a difference i was wrong uh it was unfair to her etc 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 like just goes on and on i mean yeah. megan gans seem, seemingly appreciated it a big like she tweeted about it she was she was shocked by okay. it but i think uh, how important though not that i think we need to handhold or anything but i do think it is important that like especially men in these kind of roles like where they have positions of power where there is a weird power dynamic have to realize how they come across and i think that like yeah. we can kind of say it to a blue in the face but like people just don't realize unless they kind of hear it from the horse's mouth so to speak and i think that yeah. it is really important <laughs> that men are that they're just able to hold their hands up and say look yep 100 percent. this was absolutely wrong doesn't make it it doesn't make it right and i think kind of leave yourself open to whatever the hell is deemed to be you know your comeuppance for that you know what i mean yeah. uh, uh yeah. and because uh, we can like you say we can keep shouting it's just shouting and making uh, trying to make ourselves heard but they're not going they're just going to be think we're attacking them. yeah <laughs> that's it's and, always going to be and, the case. And sadly like it's still <laughs> happening you know i think the thing that's changing mm. now is that we're getting more m- men of a similar ilk and of a similar kind of status in the like industries and stuff coming forward and being like no absolutely not like what are we all doing let's get our shit together and i think that's when it, that's when you get that's when you get real change you know i think it's the same with but i think it's the same across the board with a lot of different uh groups you know uh you know uh, there's a lot i know a lot of um uh, i was actually reading an article about uh reforming uh, certain like underprivileged groups that tend to, like tend towards mm. crime and stuff, and how it's really important to get speakers who are like born in that area and come from that kind of thing. And do you know what I mean? Like it because that's the people they listen mm. to, that's the people they understand. They kind of they get it, and I think it's a similar um, sort of situation. Mm. What the hell does yeah. this guy say next? We should well, we should. Just, <laughs> I, I realize uh, just to give Gal Gadot a, a chance to respond, uh, mm. she did uh, mm. in an interview in response to this. She just said, "I understood perfectly." I don't know if there's anything else that needs to be said. No. Um, but yeah, it's like, hun, I, I know, hun, I know. Mm. Don't worry, mm. we know that you know. Yeah. You actually uh, spelt it out on a whiteboard, Joss. It was like, I mean, uh, even if I couldn't, you know, uh, I could read. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, there was a crew member, apparently. I believe it was a crew member. Uh, let me see if I can find. Um, Yes, a witness had said that after one of their arguments that he, Whedon had bragged that he'd had it out with her. And he's, they, the mm-hmm. witness said he told her he's the writer and she's going to shut up and say the lines and he can make her look incredibly stupid in this movie. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. What a weird threat. It's a, it's a real <laughs> jerkish threat. 
frankly. Oh yeah, let me just see. Yeah. Let me just check. Hold on, I'm just gonna real, do a quick Google and see how Gal Gadot is suffering because Joss Whedon's like, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, also realize your station. Like, how could you? You could make Gal Gadot look stupid. Are you dumb? Like, seriously, yeah, have you seen right. this woman? Like, she's freaking Wonder Woman. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Make a lasso well, also, of cucumber? Something to be said. There's something to be said, because I, I think as an actor, it is fair to acknowledge, though, actors, especially when it comes to film, have a very limited amount of control oh, over how they're going to come absolutely. across. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to the point where you have people like Adrian Brody fighting out at the premiere for yeah, The Thin Red what? Line that despite having filmed the movie as the protagonist, he his role had been reduced to less than five minutes of screen time and like two lines. Uh, and Wild. he found out oh, at the premiere. Uh, it's very possible. Cool. So I could I, I could believe that that just by the mountain of footage that they probably had, if he was going to be that malevolent, sure, Joss Whedon could probably make any of the actors look bad, use their worst takes, <laughs> cut, intercut them with the wrong scenes mm-hmm. and whatnot. But the abuse use of power there like that's 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 the issue like it's what we're getting at is this dude the the whole the whole root of the issue is this dude is high on his own supply of like Mm -hmm. his own he's Mm -hmm. high on himself he thinks he's so amazing and here he is uh, allegedly lording his power over his actors which is one of the worst things a director can do to Mm -hmm. their actors and also um, i I just want to throw out as well real quick uh studio studio notes big deal I have a feeling that if the studio was paying a huge sum of money to Gal Gadot to be in this film, they're going to be like, Joss, uh, my dude, is there a reason we're using the mumble takes? Like, uh, no? Yeah. <laughs> like, why is there all this you? footage of her getting in place? Like, yes. you, why is there so finding much footage of her, her finding her mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you digitally removed yourself walking her through the scenes. And so now there's just, just random shots of her walking around looking at someone who isn't there. But that's we what I mean. That, millions. That, that, yeah, that's what I mean. That's part, of the, that's part of the thing of just being like, look, I just mm. don't even know how realistic this is. Because if you attach your name mm. to something that is just terrible, because you just actively make one yeah. of the actors bad who is <laughs> like an extremely well-known actor as well it's just like what a what a weird move and what a weird pro- like thing to then to say or to claim it's it's complete rubbish um yeah anyway self-sabotage mm. like he tends to do it would mm. seem mm. Uh, mm. a lot mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yeah it continues mm. actually because he gets it gets worse folks yeah it gets worse yep. <laughs> he denied all of the claims that ray fisher had made which we talked about in our previous episode mm. and <laughs> He described him as a malevolent force, uh, a bad actor in two senses. Mm. Clever. I will, in fact, I will find you the actual quote from the, the Vulture article here. He said, uh, this is, um, he said that he had cut down the cyborg's role for two reasons. Uh, the storyline, quote, logically made no sense, and he felt the acting was bad. Uh, according to a source familiar with the project, Whedon wasn't alone in feeling that way. At test screenings, viewers deemed Cyborg, quote, the worst of all the characters in the film. Despite that, Whedon insists he spent hours discussing the changes with Fisher and that their conversations were friendly and respectful. None of the claims Fisher made in the media were, quote, either true or merited discussing, Whedon told me. He could only think of one way to ex- explain Fisher's motives. Quote, we're talking about a malevolent force, he said. We're talking about a bad actor in both senses. Why, why would okay it shows the inflated sense of self here once again mm. um for joss whedon the fact that um he thinks that ray fisher would go so far as to like 
portray himself badly in a role yep. just to get back at him? Mm. What, do you, what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> not, yeah and I I do also, like, this is something that people absolutely need to realize, right? As a person mm. of color in Ray Fisher's position, I can guarantee mm. you now the last thing that Ray Fisher ever wanted was the shitstorm that followed him making these claims. I can promise you now there is nothing that I can think of like as a creator like I genuinely even now even with all the kind of conversations and stuff that are happening the last thing I'm going to want to do like let's say I got a fill like I you know I get a part in a Joss Whedon movie or whatever and I have a terrible experience Th- that is a huge thing for me to do to try and go up against Joss Whedon huge yeah. And mm-hmm. probably yeah, yeah. damning for for my career, and has been damning for his career. But as we will find out shortly, uh, because it does appear that he's been removed from future DCEU projects because of all this controversy that has been caused and uh, and and brought up. And I so that's the first that's my first initial response. And I just think mm. that when you are in a absolutely when you're in a position of power like this, to just so blatantly go after the smaller fry in this scenario with Mm -hmm. such a large boot in this way, I just think is just like, it's so wholly gross and unnecessary. You know, I just don't understand why this sort of thing wouldn't be handled internally. And I can imagine that DC executives being like, oh, fuck. Why? (laughs) Why? Please, someone call Joss now and tell him to shut up and like, like, let's mm-hmm. get him on, like, let's get people on the phone and actually try and have a constructive conversation about all of this. Like, w- like, why are we airing all of our dirty laundry out in public? Ray Fisher did it because he didn't have a choice. Ray Fisher doesn't have a platform. Do you know what I mean? Ray Fisher doesn't have the means. Ray Fisher had tried to do it internally, had mm-hmm. tried to go mm-hmm. through all the proper channels yeah. and was shut down in multiple instances and felt like this was the only way that he'd get the story out. But then... Yeah. But then now, and um, now, like a year later or whatever, we're gonna drag drag it all back up again because you need an ego trip and you're not prepared to mm-hmm. sit down and have a conversation with someone about some genuine concerns that they have, which have been corroborated by other sources. See, uh, that that to me, the fact that it's his tone does not seem like look. I, I this is not an innocent man. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> no. It doesn't come across as somebody who's trying to be conciliatory. It doesn't come across as somebody who's trying to like let be like let's solve the problem here because at least maybe that's just my mentality. If I'm in a position of power and somebody tells me that I did something wrong and I don't think that I did something wrong and it seems like it's a misunderstanding, in I would typically try and talk to the person about it and say, "Hey, look, I we seem to be on different pages." Uh, can you explain to me what what I have done wrong? I can explain to you where I'm coming from. Maybe we can come to a middle ground here. And then I would have probably said that. Like mm-hmm. if, if, if I was in an interview about it later, I would have said, yeah. And now if they continue to persist with their comments, then I would mm-hmm. say, look, I've talked to them about it. Uh, I don't know where they're coming from with this. I truly like we're just on different pages about this. I can tell you exactly what I did in these cases. But stuff like and I actually found a longer version of the quote that he made about oh, um, uh, about Gal Gadot, which let me see mm-hmm. if I can find it again. Um, yes, this is what he said. Uh, he said in response, I don't threaten people. Who does that in response to Gal Gadot? He said English is not her first language and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech. But there was no attempt to be like, 
There was... I will not only ruin your career, I will screw it several side... I will do it sideways. I will blow it up with an atom bomb. I will nuke your fucking career, Gal Gadot. Like, is that what he means by flowery? Was he just emphasizing the point? Like, what? He started I mean, quoting... that in particular was like the least flowery thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He started quoting Pulp Fiction, like Samuel L. Jackson's model. Yeah, literally. Literally. He's doing Ezekiel uh, 5, or 25, 17. I have a I have a point as well, which is so I think one thing that I think is constantly happening, and I genuinely think, I think this is a whole there's a whole topic in here which we, we which we don't have time to get into, and maybe we don't even want to get into because I think it's a very difficult topic, which maybe slightly more intelligent people than I can would can discuss. But like there is a lot to be said about reactionary discourse in the world in general right now. Like everything is so immediate, everything is so like bam 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 bam, uh, like Twitter and everything. Like you get added, you know. If you, I, I should imagine, you know, if Joss Whedon's on Twitter, the second this dropped, he was getting like thousands of of messages, DMs, ats, whatever else. So there is almost, there is almost a part of me which understand not understands, but like gives a little bit of like leeway or whatever. If this was like the day of he he has a knee jerk and goes no fuck Ray Fisher like let's let's imagine yeah. a scenario where he is he 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 genuinely believes what he said and he uh, he he doesn't think he's you know guilty whatever and these comments come out and he goes no 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 fuck Ray Fisher I didn't do that like that's not how this happened this guy's a bad actor you know what I mean like that's what it is uh, calling part, somebody I, a bad actor is like no 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 this is bruh. what I'm saying this is what I'm saying I, I I'm not excusing <laughs> anything here I'm just saying this it's like a knee jerk response saying, yeah. almost as a part mean. of me yeah, yeah. the fact that this has come. Nearly a year later, yeah. with a lack of any kind of reconciliation on the table, with a lack, with with only there been consistently more issues being brought up and more problems involving Ray Fisher in terms of future projects and all of this kind of stuff, it just makes me feel so gross and makes me feel yeah. like like there is there is a dynamic here in which you are like, oh, it's me versus the world. And I just think, ah, oh, get down off of whatever plinth you've put yourself on. Get down yeah. to the level with the rest mm-hmm. of us and start having a conversation like an adult male. Do you know what I mean? Just like start talking like an actual adult person, please, instead of this like mm-hmm. baby. Like you can imagine that he's literally been saying the same sentence to everyone that he's met over the last year. Like how tiring mm. and boring. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, now this is not a knee-jerk reaction no. anymore. This is a languid stride. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and a calculated like, one at that. You know, he, yeah, he knows definitely. what he's saying. He absolutely knows what he's saying. He's honed this. You know, he he wasn't ready yeah. to do that Vulture article the week of. I guarantee you if he called Vulture or whatever, or I would be surprised if Vulture and other people weren't trying to get him on the phone the week of. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason he's waited mm-hmm. this long. And I just think you come out and say this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's not even well. It's not even well done. Like uh, this is, uh, if he was trying to come across as like, oh, well, this explains everything. Absolutely, oh, fair enough. Yeah, none of this, none of this paves over anything. <laughs> it's said. like he's been know. on holiday just... for like a year. <laughs> got back, checked his phone, and went, oh, uh, oh, oh. okay, uh, <laughs> right. I uh, guess I should. Do you know what I mean? He's Ooh. just been on like the Costa del Sol or something for a year, <laughs> just sunning his. Oh man, sad it's, face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, uh, well, it's very disappointing. I think mm. for anyone who is a movie fan in general, but especially nerds, f- many for or for many, excuse me, for whom or for many of whom, Joss Whedon was probably the single biggest nerd figure uh, 
post what 1990. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. your closest mm-hmm. competition would be what Neil Gaiman. And honestly, Neil yeah. Neil Gaiman still has the repu- still has a much better reputation than Joss Whedon. But mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't think that like if you take Sandman and American Gods and whatnot, they've had as big an uh, impact on nerddom on, on a whole mm-hmm. as like Buffy, no. Angel, uh, Firefly, uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Horrible mm-hmm. Singalong Blog, The Avengers. The Avengers is the most uh, yeah. influential movie the last ten years. Yeah. It was yeah. There's no two ways, and the dude wrote and directed it. Yeah, uh, that it's a very difficult situation. I, I never really, I've never really watched Buffy or Angel, but I have seen Doctor Horrible oh. Sing Along blog. I've seen I, uh, Marvel. Honestly, I having watched Buffy recently was mm-hmm. like oh, astounded yeah. at how well it holds up. It is if really? that came yeah. out now, there would be no issues with this. And this is like a mm. what mid nineties. Uh, show about a teenage girl who hunts vampires. It has problematic written all over it. And it, it is mm-hmm. it really holds up. Like the characters are really empowered. There there is a range of female characters who are absolutely able to inhibit like to to inhabit their abilities in completely different ways. Yeah, wildly I think this was the first introduction of a woman being with a woman. Yeah, like, exactly. There's, yeah, exactly. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, absolutely, there's gay relationships uh, that are very present mm-hmm. in it. There are women who are allowed to be kind of, uh, uh, and who relish it being, uh, you know, sexual in their demeanor. There are women who have absolutely no interest in it. There are women who range from being kind of much more kind of like mask presenting to not, like it's, it, mm. it is wild how it runs the gamut of, you know, uh, of representation of women. And I, I couldn't believe it because I remember Jade, my partner, it's a really huge thing for her, like the show itself, mm. because it like, uh, I remember her saying, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have watched it when I was like a, like a young girl or whatever. And then we watched it and I was like, I get that the content is like, it's stabbing vampires and it's a little raunchy at points. I get that point. Mm. But like, as like a, 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 a you know, a, a figurehead or a, you know, an inspirational figure. A formative experience. I, I mean, yeah. this is, this holds up. You know what I mean? This really holds up um but i think this brings us on to a really interesting point though jeremy which is what you've brought up there which is like i think this is a particularly unique case where it's not just like uh oh he was like a dude you know this is Mm -hmm. a guy who was literally i mean it literally is uh i found on this in this vulture article and it says once a uh, once the icon of hollywood feminism you go all the Mm -hmm. way down to um, the uh, Equality Now, which is an organization that promotes women's rights, uh, uh, rewarding him as a visionary feminist uh, and mm-hmm. uh, giving him an award to uh, honor men on the front lines of feminism back in 2006. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just like he's just a guy. It's like this is someone who's heralded for his work, yeah. you know, in terms of advancing and influencing cinema and TV and in, in, in a what was seen as a really positive trend. So to then have such a pivot, you know, in, in, our, in your perspe- perspective of him, I'm really interested yeah. actually to throw this back to you guys as a question. How mm-hmm. does that sit with you in terms of then like enjoying their content now? I only have a small point to make, which is the fact that I think that all of that praise um, was has gone to his head over all of this time and it's making him think he's untouchable mm. and makes him think that he Righteous just can't put a foot wrong. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, no matter what he does or says, he can't be, you know, um, anti-feminist or racist because so look at all the good stuff I've done in my past. Mm. Oh, you've told me I was great this whole he's time. He's too woke what, what, to learn anything else. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kanye West mm-hmm. had a line in one of his songs, uh, I think it was Otis, uh, where he said, I made Jesus walks. I'm never going to hell. 
It's the same kind of thing. Like I did yeah. this one thing, so I can't be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't be. Yeah. I can't be bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing that we've realized over the last couple of years for a lot of people that that all this stuff is a constant journey. And it will be. That's the whole yeah, point, right? Definitely. Of growing as a human. As a human, you don't just get to like thirty and just go, "Cool, I'm complete now." Whatever views I've got, <laughs> they're fine. Nope, like hard nope. <laughs> you know, like some of your views are really yeah. shitty, and you need to address them. And you need to like think about them. So yeah, Jeremy, yeah. what do, what what do you what would you say to someone who? Like I don't know. Like I'm just interested to know what your opinion is on like the idea of still enjoying Buffy or still kind of uh, it's still enjoying Justice League. You know, I'm sure there mm-hmm. are people out there that that don't think that film is as I think it is. I'll say not great to be diplomatic. <laughs> Extremely diplomatic. <laughs> I have not. I have not even watched uh, Justice League to be honest. I've watched either. My yeah. dude, hot mess is a word. It really is like a. It's a. a uh, <laughs> I I pers- like I know that there a lot of people have different opinions on it and I think that's absolutely fine. I think if a person feels uncomfortable engaging with somebody's work after uh, somebody's work uh, especially like if they used to love the work or even if it's like oh I heard this person did this thing. I have a friend uh who won't watch anything that Roman Polanski did. Like any of his mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. Uh even like the pre 70s movies. Uh, won't watch any of those. Um, I think it's a shame that those movies are associated with that person because Mm, those, like, I think those works when taken kind of on their own, so to speak, I mean, uh, still hold up and they can be interpreted in a variety of ways and uh, they still have quality, but I would not criticize somebody for not engaging with that stuff. I think it really comes down to each and every person. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't, I've listened to a little bit of music from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, I think, since all of this dropped, Mm. but I haven't really, like, I've never watched Fire Fly. I've never watched uh, Buffy or any of its associated uh, spinoffs. I never watched Dollhouse. Um, so my, thankfully, the Joss Whedon, <laughs> I'm mostly outside of the Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon blast radius, but uh, I was, I did grow up, like I have distinct memories of the, or the first time that I ever recognized that I had just laughed harder than I'd ever laughed before was I would have been like seven or eight, and I heard one of Bill Cosby's comedy albums that he did from way back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Destroyed yeah. me. It was so mm. funny. Mm. And then uh, I looked up to him so much uh, and yeah. as did a lot of other I'm obviously I'm not a comedian but many black men of a certain generation mm-hmm. uh it, mm-hmm. there's like you, you are if you throw a rock in a group of like 40 year old plus black comedians the hearts are very high that many of them were influenced by Bill Cosby and yet mm-hmm. he was an absolute monster behind the yeah. scenes yeah. Yeah. uh mm-hmm. it's and yeah it's been weird i i feel like i i definitely I'm at two stages. There mm-hmm. are people that I knew they were problematic when I became fans of them. So, sure. like, in my teens, I got into hard rock, especially, like, classic rock. Not just hard rock, but just classic mm-hmm. rock in general. And if you look at people like John Lennon, uh, or if you look at people like mm-hmm. David Bowie or um, Jimmy Page, or basically any any rock star from just about any era, you're going to be able to find some pretty nasty stuff they did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> They're not keeping it low key. Yeah, exactly. They? <laughs> and they were like, it didn't even occur to them that it might be wrong at the time from what I can tell. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And so I, what, coming into it from that perspective, I was like, yeah, I guess that was just the culture. Uh, but since I've become an adult, there have now been like a parade of people that I, I was a fan of Louis C.K. Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of Kevin Spacey's movies. 
Yeah. Like, just one mm. after another. But I'm like, my goodness, what are y'all doing here? Yeah. Uh, Tarantino, yeah. obviously, his, his accusations were nothing super duper serious but his association with Harvey Weinstein as well as people like Matt Damon mm-hmm. and people who consistently worked with Weinstein mm-hmm. and were some mm-hmm. the implication seems to be that they were kind of aware that he was a little creepy at mm-hmm. least aware of he's but it's unclear there may be just denials it's just like I'm in a place mm-hmm. where I'm like man I don't even know yeah <laughs> that's, that's basically yeah, totally. that's where I feel I, I um, look at the stuff that I used to like and I'm like yeah I still like the classic rock stuff because yeah I guess but then I look and I'm like man I don't know I don't know I, I was I was just going to say that uh, um, my direct comparison for this uh, uh, is that I have been invested in Harry Potter my entire mm-hmm. life and JK Rowling has um, come out with some stuff that is just completely unacceptable regarding like the trans mm-hmm. community and as a you know just to say none of us are trans so we can't be an authority on this but still as allies like it's terrible it, there's just like it, it's kind of tainted the entire series mm-hmm. for me now and it's like so rough to be like uh, okay do i just blank out that entire section of like my adolescence yeah. now do i just act like it didn't happen yeah. like it's it was such a huge part of of me and who i am yeah it's rough the one sort of because i completely agree with you jeremy i think it's a, a um mm. and 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 you live i think it's such a difficult thing to wrap your head around like how you go yeah. about appreciating these works or because you do feel like oh well i'm feeding into the thing and i'm bu- like if i'm buying stuff or if even if i'm watching it like on a subscription i'm still kind of teaching netflix that you know harry potter is good and do you know what i mean it all kind of ends up funneling yeah. to the same place and and whatever and it becomes a really difficult thing the one thing that i will say is that i really think it's very important that individuals do not define what is in the most part a huge effort like a huge extraordinary effort by mm. re- like a whole host of really incredible and talented people do you know what i mean like i would hate for like sarah michelle geller's kind of uh, uh kind of performances yeah. as a feminist icon uh, in the 90s to be undermined by joss whedon like that in mm. itself feels mm. so counter to the whole point the whole thing you know what i mean so that's where i think i run into that difficulty right where i'm like no i can't i don't want people to stop watching buffy because it is so good and it is so powerful i think it is something that like young adolescent women should absolutely be watching like this shit should be on the syllabus it's like it's that good at times you know for like teaching young women like how to deal with life and uh, and you know i think it's very transformative in that sense and so it is it is absolutely it feels so icky but i'm like Mm -hmm. there is so much more to like harry potter now than jk rowling i would argue that like some of the best stuff is actually nothing to do with jk rowling anymore you know like there's like the whole death of the author thing and like how do you like once um the author puts something out does that make it completely separate from what from mm. them and i like to think yes but also like i'm gonna stand by my trans brothers and sisters like um and people the entire time like and it's and yeah won't stand for it oh uh, there's the argument that like by even by engaging with uh anything that a creator has made you are now drawing attention to and potentially giving money directly to mm-hmm. that creator mm-hmm. so like if we're saying go watch Buffy, on some level, yeah. Joss Whedon is probably getting money from depending probably, yeah. on what, what venue you're watching it through. Uh, and like, oh, even if you're like, oh, go pirate it. 
well, but if you're talking about it, then you might turn other people onto it. And mm. and then you're still directly affecting, you know, other people who might profit off it, who deserve to profit off it, like Sarah Michelle Gellar. There's also that. Do you know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, so yes. I think it is an absolutely nightmarish topic. The one yeah. thing that I was just going to say, uh, though, on, on the back of that is that I do think that mm. um, whilst it is an absolutely valid argument to say about uh, the, the 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 one thing I wonder is whether we will get better at like forming space because the the big thing for me right is if we could silence I know it sounds awful because I don't obviously free freedom of speech etc but like if you can silence mm -hmm. the parts of Joss Whedon which are actively negative in the community now if you can take that away somehow if you can remove that kind of this in inherent need this this the fact that if you type in Joss Whedon right now you're gonna get a whole bunch of really negative shit it's probably gonna be very triggering for us like a person of color for instance right mm -hmm. that's the big doubt that's the huge downside for me between like, for like recommending someone watch the avengers you know what i mean is that mm -hmm. with that now becomes a bunch of baggage you know mm -hmm. and i wonder whether it's like time is is kind of i don't know whether it is the only healer i hope it's not i hope we find a way mm -hmm. to kind of reconcile this stuff so that we can interact with this work but like if you for instance take j uh jrr tolkien for instance right like absolutely problematic views and issues at the time but now and i and i and i think that it's not to absolve them of any of this stuff that is the last thing i want but i also think this is these are still important seminal uh, uh creations which i think have been which are have been um pillars in the right way you know, in our community that have contributed in a very positive way to the community, which I think is, that's what the dichotomy is for me. Is it someone who's positive, who contributed something that's potentially very positive, then mm. really like backtracking on and, and, you know, starting to flip that round. Mm. I wanted to respond to what Livid said in mm. terms of Harry Potter. Mm. Cause like, sometimes it goes beyond like, oh, I liked this thing. Like for, especially mm. for that particular property, for mm. a lot of people, yeah. they wouldn't, the person that like, I, I would bet money that the Liv Kennedy I'm speaking to now would not be mm -hmm. the Liv, like would not be the same Liv Kennedy that would be speaking to had yeah. she never read that series. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, and it's not just like, oh, I don't know what those books are. It's more like, no, there would be some fundamental mm -hmm. changes. Like it was, yeah. I, I know for me, yeah. um, the stuff like Harry Potter, Pokemon, the, the, some of those properties were parts of my identity. Yeah. Like it was to the point where yeah, it was like, exactly. I so strongly identified with that if series. If Philip Pullman comes out as a bad guy now, I'm screwed because his dark materials <laughs> was my jam. Like, Yo. honestly, uh, yeah. like I, my entire personality for like three years of my life was based on Will from the second books. Like genuinely, well, and, and also creatively, if <laughs> well, you're enjoying yeah. somebody's creative yeah, yeah. work, like yeah. if we're talking about Bill Cosby and all those comedians, if you enjoy some mm -hmm. of those comedians, you, he, mm -hmm. those comedians were influenced mm -hmm. by him. Yep. <laughs> like the, yeah. uh, if you yeah. enjoy, if you enjoy down. the stuff that we make, we were influenced by a lot of those, a lot of problematic creators. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I love the mm -hmm. movie Seven. For example, yeah, as yeah. one of Kevin, uh, I used to really enjoy American Beauty. Like, there's a number of movies that Kevin Spacey yeah. was in that I've really enjoyed, and mm -hmm. that definitely like it's it's a weird situation. Uh, I don't, I honestly do not know the answer, and I think it's one of those things. the The best answer I have is that it varies according to the person. I think mm -hmm. it's best to try mm -hmm. and avoid giving money and attention to people who are bad. 
or at least who are actively advocating bad things. Yeah, actively problematic, yes. Yeah, like, because J.K. Rowling is abs, like, actively trying to push for turf ideology, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, by the way, I had not realized just how, I knew that turf ideology was bad, but I had not realized just how insidious it was. Uh, I need to find the name of uh, the video in question. You know what it was? It was, it was uh, Mm. Jesse Gender on, on YouTube did a response Mm. to Dave Chappelle's most recent stand-up. And and she went into detail about like, look, this dude clearly does not know what he's talking about when he talks about TERFs. Mm. This is what TERFs actually are like. And I was like, like I I was already anti-TERF, but I was like, good. God. To uh, to borrow <laughs> to borrow a phrase from our uh, our much loved friends uh, over at D twenty fuck turfs because <laughs> like I yeah. read that stuff and was like mm-hmm. wow okay it was, yeah. it's bonkers it, it goes uh, beyond the pale no. for sure it's, it's yeah it's yes. really wild and it's it's uh, J K Rowling is also kind of similar in the way that Joss Whedon is handling this obviously a year later but like just the never backing down mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. just so determined to just in the right and it's like no yeah absolutely (laughs) and i think i I think one of the things that i you know i gotta say is is that healthy discourse around these subjects is always a plus you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like what we are doing now with this episode is absolutely us trying to figure this crap out in our heads and you know to varying degrees of success uh and i absolutely think that look listen just have conversations with people like if it makes you feel Mm. crappy and bad to to enjoy something that you loved then talk to someone about it. You know, try and air those feelings and make it, see if it makes you feel like you are more able to process this stuff or you're more able to enjoy this stuff. Because I absolutely think that, look, no one's perfect and it's so tricky. Like, it's so, so tricky. It's a minefield right now. Yeah. So just talk to people about it, uh, air this stuff out, and then uh, see, you know, see what comes up for you and see whether you do feel like you can interact with stuff or you can... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, enjoy things. I think it's a little mm-hmm. easier, like I said, with with properties like TV shows or whatever, because there is a a whole host of people uh, yeah, that are involved. It, whereas so I do think with like comedy, it it, it gets a little it's, sticky. It's just it's, one person. It's one yeah. person and one person's yeah. opinions, and so you're sort of. Yeah. It feels like you're very mo- much more directly kind of um uh, kind of re. Um, re-upping on some da- yeah, you're dangerous hearing directly or... from them mm. yes. even even when it comes to books it's a mm. similar situation because it's like well yeah. yeah those books were written by one this headgum podcast is brought to you by aura frames that is right uh from grandmothers to new mothers aunts even the friends of your life every mom loves an aura frame holy shit even aunts yes especially aunts oh, well. because it was named the best digital photo frame by wire cutter and selected as one of oprah's favorite things i mean these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages i believe it you have an aura frame don't you yes i actually more than believe it i know it uh, i've got one for my mom my mother-in-law my grandmother-in-law and dare i say your aunt and dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law everyone's got one everyone loves them i mean mother's day is right around the corner and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame you give them the frame it's got preloaded pictures in there and you know what you can update it with an app so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. One person. Um, I really wanted to mention because... Uh, we got to shout out our boy Ray Fisher, who yes. seems to mm-hmm. still be suffering from the fallout of this. Uh, he Ugh. tweeted recently, this was back in January, he received confirmation that uh, Warner Brothers, let me find the full quote, uh, I have received official confirmation that Warner Brothers Pictures has decided to remove me from the cast of The Flash. I strongly disagree with their decision, but it is one that is unsurprising. Um, mm. The the mm. impression, I mean, that I think everybody's conclusion was they fired him because he very publicly spoke out against them and asked them to change mm-hmm. and asked them mm-hmm. to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. the, w, uh, Warner Brothers, I think, deserves a great deal of criticism for how they've handled this entire process yeah. on every level. Hell yeah, they are just as culpable mm-hmm. for me because uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you pay huge amounts of money to these people and you decided to allow, you know, you've you've you decided to to allow this to continue and to yeah. allow Joss Whedon to air his stuff in public. And they just bring this ire upon themselves because they also don't aren't clear and precise in the, the way that they then present any of this. You know what I mean? They don't bring a reason for why Ray Fisher has been removed from The Flash. You know what I mean? They don't quote like, yes, we too think that J- Ray Fisher is a bad actor and therefore we've decided, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because honestly, yeah. genuinely, even to a point, it's like, well, I mean, at least you've said it reason and you're not just being like, we're low-key racist, but we're going to ignore it and stand over here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like at least at least there's an acknowledgement of something, of a reason, you know what I mean? Or like, or even if they picked a side and went, look, we've investigated the situation and we don't think that Ray Fisher has... As uh, you know, as big a case as he claims, or whatever, even that as a clarification, I think would be hugely beneficial right now instead of us all guessing. Because that's the thing that I hate, right? Is I hate the idea that we just have to kind of swill around and guess. But we have to guess because it's, this yeah. stuff's important to us, and it, it, it's important to the fans of these shows who invested in them. Like we said, uh, it's important for a whole host of reasons. So. Yeah, but more clarity is always necessary. Like it's always yeah always transparency. Necessary. Honestly, transparency. whenever it comes yeah. to these, whenever yeah. it comes to these corporations and organizations that are getting accused of different things, transparency is key. Just be yeah, yeah be definitely. open from the get go, and just be transparent. Like 
Uh, I think that they or they often uh, end up in a situation where they're like, oh, we could get sued or we could get this or whatever. It's it's all just about protecting their stakeholders and whatever. And I'm like, look, they've all got enough mm-hmm. money. Do you know what I mean? If you, they if if some of them lose a couple of hundred thousand pounds because you wheel out an like a genuine apology, I genuinely think that's better for your brand. I honestly do. Like I think honestly, in the long term, yeah. they will end up making or saving more money by being genuine mm-hmm. and not being like this faceless, horrid, like horrible corporation which everyone now thinks has race racial issues, rather than mm-hmm. being like, oh, that actually looks like a really good company that's well run and cares about people. Like I'm much more willing to invest or watch those films or do you know what I mean? Like I've heard really great mm. things about Blumhouse, for instance. I love watching Blumhouse movies. I would actively oh, yeah. go out my way to watch mm. Blumhouse movies because it seems like they do really well by their creators. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's a positive mm. as far as I'm concerned. So it's one of those kind of like you have nothing to fear if you have nothing to hide situations. Like what are well, you? This hiding? is the problem. These what, companies have been around for so long. They got <laughs> so much to hide. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and it's 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 yeah, and it's big and it's and a, and a lot smaller companies. Like to go back to the whole Kevin Spacey thing. Like, I mean, the old Vic's mm-hmm. got a lot to answer for. Uh, the old Vic, for any of our yeah. American listeners, is a uh, is the theater of which Kevin Spacey was the creative director for. I think like ten plus years, and where a it lot a of while. the uh, look, where a lot of the kind of alleged issues uh, are said to have come up. Like a lot of the accusations don't really come from movies or film sets and stuff. It's it's really from his position in 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 theatre because I think, well, he was the top dog in in uh, there, and so therefore mm-hmm. it was easier for him mm-hmm. to get away with some of the behaviour that he that he did. Mm-hmm. So, which apparently, unbeknownst to me, was an open secret. This is this is uh, genuinely when I left college, my teacher mm-hmm. at college, this was back in I would have left 2012. So this is a long mm. time. This is none of this kicked off until like, what, 2017, 2018, something like that, I want to yeah. say. Uh, yeah. My teacher at college said to me, oh, you know, as a joke was like, hey, watch out for Kevin Spacey. He likes brown boys. That was 100 percent the quote my teacher said to me five years before anything came out. So it was a very open huh. secret. Like everyone knew this was happening oh. to the point where I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I could get a, play a movie. I mean, is that what, is that what you're suggesting? Like, that's, <laughs> what? Oh I was God. like, this is, that, uh, what? I was, it was very, it was. Uh, I can uh, leverage. Is this, is this some kind of coded yeah, message? This is, are you, are you no. saying that I sh- I'm confused? <laughs> um, anyway. Is this something I'm no I can work confused. to my advantage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm no longer, mm. I'm no longer confused. There's no, lo- and no one should ever be confused about this subject. Um, or mm-hmm. any of these subjects, and I hope that you've enjoyed our discourse on this uh, on this topic. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a lot of us just being like, yeah, well, this is what we think. <laughs> this sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, this has been Fishboy Five: uh, Rise of Booyah. Rise of Booyah. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we now are going to have our interview with Navar Jackson, who is a fantastic uh, podcaster and creative. Uh, and it's a very wholesome interview and the perfect salve for talking uh, about such white uh, male douchebaggery. So uh, I'm excited <laughs> for you all to listen to that. Um, Cool. I think, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to transition to these because we haven't really done this before. So <laughs> let's, just, let's step inside the, the Shire. Let's, house yeah, yeah, we, we're stepping in. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what we're doing. a nice look inside the hobbit right hobbit there. Hole. Let's all, let's just all nestle down with a cu- cup of uh, hot cocoa and uh, let's listen to our friend Navar Jackson. Oh, 
Hello there, how are you doing? It's uh, it's me, I'm just here chilling by the fire with my uh, friend Jeremy. How are you doing, Jeremy? Yar! <laughs> We're uh, just here in the uh, little Shirefolk Hall and... Uh, oh, whoa, oh, we've got a guest at the door. Who could that be, I wonder? <gasps> Why, hello! It's Navar Jackson of the Secret Nerd Podcast! Navar! today? <laughs> I'm good, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Oh, honestly, Naval, your your face then the whole time. You're like, what in the hell? I was not prepared for the voices, but uh, I love it. Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> well, it is wonderful to have you. you. Uh, tell us a bit about the show. Yeah, so I have a show where I bring on different folks from the TTRPG space, um, and we talk about their life um, in and around TTRPGs, um, sometimes just like early nerd stuff, and actually a lot of times early nerd stuff, um, and how it affected it, because I think that you know who we are as people um, really affects how we uh, interact with these games. And so... Um, you know, getting to know who people are at a core level as much as possible in an hour interview and then kind of expanding on that through the things that they do and the, and how they, you know, touch TTRPGs in general um, has just been something that I really loved doing. And I've gotten some really amazing stories from it, um, met some amazing people, learned, you know, made new friends. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, and I was privileged enough to be on uh, Navarre's podcast, Secret Nerd per- Podcast. Really, really good stuff. And Navarre, I have to say, you uh, you killed it, dude. You're Thank a really you. good interviewer. Thank like, you. It, it was really cool. Uh, I, yeah, if I could get some tips, Navarre, that'd be real good. I got a paper <laughs> and pen here. I'm just I could just take some notes down. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's funny because um, it's not something that I even really thought of like that I would be good at you know that people would compliment me on because i've i've done interviews i you know for jobs and i used to uh, manage a company and uh but it's different in that sense and i think it just i kind of learned through that like when i'd have employees come and just sit and talk to me and like get them to open up about stuff and um really listen and connect and i think you know learning empathy has been like those big, those are big things for me. Um, and which I definitely think that you guys have, like, you know, don't sell yourself short. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's cool that people have responded to it positively and that, you know, that, uh, you know, Jeremy, you've enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It just, I never really thought that I would be that good at it. And now I, I do a show. Like even my wife, when I started the podcast, my wife was like, but you're not even like a conversationalist. And I was like, okay, that's, all right. But. <laughs> okay. Ow. Yeah. First of all, First of ouch. All, ouch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. But, you know, now I have 33 episodes out and a bonus episode. So, um, you know, we're I'm doing big things. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I do think you hit on something in, very interesting, though, which is, uh, which is empathy. I think that's quite a big factor i think in any success that we've had and i think a lot of shows nowadays um i think particularly for podcasts Mm -hmm. which i think are quite a personal medium yeah i do think that you it really bodes well for a show when the hosts have a real genuine sense of empathy for a subject matter the people that they're talking to um because I think that's what a lot of people are looking for nowadays. There's so much like harsh and horrible yeah. news and everything feels very end of days, you know? Yeah. And mm. I think to actually be able to sit in, you know, whatever, you know, cause I, I tend to do it when I'm doing other activities. I think a lot of people tend to do that, whether it's going to the gym, cleaning the house, yeah. you know, whatever it is, putting a podcast on feels like a little, 
you time, you know, yeah. with just like some friends. And I think that actually feeling that sense of empathy or that sense of, you know, uh, just understanding mm-hmm. and like, hey, if I think of thing that that it's not the end of the world, etc. And so I guess my, the, the question I would have for you is when you're, like you said, trying to listen, you know, when you're listening to people and, and is there anything that ever um, surprises you or is there anything that has surprised you or it really intrigued you when talking to people um, when you've allowed, like, when you felt like they've opened up to you maybe or, or even you found yourself opening up to them? Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of times, so I'll just preface this by saying like when I was younger, um, I, the way that my brain works, I'm like, I've never been diagnosed with like ASD, but I sometimes feel like I might have like high functioning uh, ASD. And so, um, but I say that because like growing up, I had a hard time understanding, um, you know, nuance and when people were being sarcastic and, um, you know, catching on to like when people were having certain feelings. And so I worked throughout my life really hard to like understand that, especially when I was managing people. Cause it was like, you, you can't, you shouldn't be an asshole. Um, when you, when you're in control of people's careers. Um, and so like, how <laughs> sure. do you, you know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, I think that, that that's a good general tip yes, as yeah, well, right. you know, uh, try not to be an asshole. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and so I wanted to, to really work to learn, like, how do I, how do I reach these people where they're at? And, um, you know, genuinely get them to to want to buy into what I'm I'm giving them, and so um, it it took a while, but I think yeah, it's just you know when I'm I've been surprised by that in that sometimes I I I still assume that people aren't going to open up, and and people really do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had my first four episodes were people that I already knew because um, it was like you know just get started, and I have. I already had a, like a diverse home group for our, our D and D games. And, uh, and so I wanted to uh, talk to them and like, even my best friend, this is episode one, we've known each other for 25 years. I still learned new stuff about him, uh, in that interview, mm. um, just cause we just hadn't talked about specific things. And so like when people share really personal stories of like, you know, um, some of the traumas that they went through when they were younger, uh, because they, um, are part of the LGBTQ community or, you know, losing somebody in the family and how D and D has like affected that. Um, you know, I'm always really surprised and I feel honored anytime as somebody's willing to share that stuff with me because it's, um, you know, it's powerful. And I think like it's awesome that, people are able to come to the show and listen to that and hear that story and like can feel like they can relate to these folks. Cause that's really what it's all about. Like this space is for everybody. So, um, you know, what I wanted to was to create a space where it's like, come listen to the show and you can find other people that are similar to you. You know, nobody's exactly alike, but, um, this person might have a similar experience that you have had. Um, you know, Jeremy might have a similar experience that somebody else has had and, and they can relate to that and see like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I do fit into this space. There are people out here who are similar to me mm-hmm. that are going to welcome me in. Um, and and I, I just really love that. And I always, too, I always try to, like, gauge it. So if I, you know, if somebody's like, yeah, you know, growing up I was um, queer and it's like, okay, are you willing to talk about that? If you're not, like, I'll absolutely cut it out. And then some people are and, you know, some people aren't. And so I kind of just try to gauge it based on the things that they respond to in normal standard questioning stuff. Um and so some of them are deeper and some of them are just more like we're just hanging out. 
One of the questions I was actually going to ask was, do you have like a go-to question? Is there like a go? Is there is there a question that you just you love asking on the show? And if so, what for what reason? Yeah. So my the only question I always ask, because um, the rest of my interview is all organic, is um, how did you get started in nerd stuff? And that's really like mm. that's where I start, and then people kind of go from there, and then based on how they answer those questions is how. The rest of the conversation goes. Um, a lot of times, if it's like people who have other projects, then you know we of course talk about those projects um, because that, that's central to their life in TTRPGs. Um, but yeah, it's always just like, how did you even get started in your stuff? And I like not even necessarily TTRPGs. Like, was it fighting video games? Was it uh, reading mm-hmm. fantasy books? Was it Star Trek? That's a big one for a lot of folks. Um, you know, Star Wars, whatever it is. And then we just kind of talk about that, and you know. And sometimes talk about where people grew up and, you know, the diversity of where they grew up. Um, but really, that's that's the one question is like, OK, how did you get started? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's, we've, we've done it with uh, a lot of our guests. And I think it's usually just one that just generally tends to yield yeah. very, like, varied uh, answers, yeah. which is always really lovely. You know, you get the you get people. Some people have come to it really late. Some people are like, oh, I just really started to get, you know, into it and whatever. And um, it's quite a. Uh, quite an enjoyable thing to just find out, you know, how people came into this into this world, and they and they really do come at it from very different angles. Like, yeah. you know, we've had some real uh, contrasting origin stories for sure. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm constantly surprised too by like different places and how that is harbored. Like where I grew up, it was very like a very I grew up in New Mexico, um, and New Mexico at the time probably still now a little bit, but was very like toxic masculinity. Like if you are Mm. male identifying, like that is what you do. Like you, you know, are just a terrible person. Um, basically, I'm like, I don't know, how can I put this? Mm, it's can toxic I put this and it's bad. Yeah. Uh, um, it's the, no, the it's macho, whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, very macho. macho and, uh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, growing up, it was hard for me personally um, because I loved fantasy stuff. I loved being a nerd. I loved writing poetry and, you know, and getting into music. And so that was for me, a lot of stuff that I just wasn't able to share with a lot of people because, um, you know, cause then it's like people will throw slurs at you and, um, you know, call you out your name and like do a lot of stuff that was like really bad. And so it's like, okay, I want to avoid this. And that's kind of where secret nerd came from. Cause it's like, what are the things that we kind of hide um, from mm. society that should be celebrated. Um, and for me, this was a big thing of like, oh, I can't touch D- D&D or TTRPGs because like that's that's too far, right? You know, that's, that's why I used to think, yeah, yeah, when I was yeah, younger. Yeah. And, um, and I regret it because it's, you know, I could so have been, wasted enjoy- years, yeah, right? I been like- enjoying this for a long time. <laughs> How and, different uh, would your life have been if you had been doing this from all that, from all that time know. ago? Mm. I probably wouldn't have been cool enough for my wife, for one. <laughs> so, so I guess that in yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking back to I'm thinking back to my first date with with Jade, and I'm thinking like, yeah, if I turned up and was like, hey, I have a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, yeah. whether she'd have been like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's I just mean, now my, she produces my D20, it, so, in my you pocket. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just have a bag of dice that right. you set out on the table just in case, just in case. We no, need I'm not just happy to see you. It's a bag of D20s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would actually be a relief. A bag of D20s would just be yeah, so yeah, yeah. Because that would not look, yeah, that would not look good. 
<laughs> I actually have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, the this is something. Uh, this is, I guess, more of a semantics thing. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> in terms of like, because you're talking, to, your your podcast is called Secret Nerd Podcast, and you're talking to people about their essentially like nerd histories. Mm-hmm. Um, the word nerd, like the definition of the word nerd, seems to have shifted pretty yeah. significantly, and not mm-hmm. even seems to has shifted yeah. pretty significantly in the past uh, 14 years, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the time that anyone who was not a nerd started caring about Iron Man, yeah. I think you could say that the definition started to shift. Uh, yeah. And wh- how has that been? Like, what is your idea? I guess this is less about a specific podcast, but more about, like, what is your idea of, like, a, what a nerd is at this point? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think that, you know... To me, what a nerd is, is somebody that like really enjoys um, the stories and kind of the escapism around um, non-traditional media, right? Um, Like, yes, Marvel is the most accessible thing in the world now. Everybody loves it. but there's still, you know, how many people are are reading Marvel comic books, right? Like, there's a ton of people out there who are like, just the just the movies or whatever. Or like when you you mm-hmm. know when you're on my sh- on my show and you talked about like how many people actually know like who is director of all these movies and and you oh know, yeah who wrote the score and all this stuff. Um, and so I think that there are certainly levels of it, and I still think that there are certain things like, you know, if you try to convince a certain people like walked up to them with. Lord of the Rings, for instance, because it's known by everybody and been like, hey, read this book. And they're like, uh, no, <laughs> I do not care about elves and dwarves and hobbits. Thank you very much. Right. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So it's like I think that there are certain things like that that still are held into the nerdy, nerdy culture. Um, but then you have shows like The Wheel of Time now that's like, OK, yeah, we're just going to make this for a viewing audience. Uh, the Witcher, which is like fantasy RPG, like this is now a TV show that a lot of people love, Game of Thrones. Um, so there's things that are merging those together, I think. Um, I think it's just kind of like what side of the fence you you live on. And I also am not like a nerd gatekeeper either. Like mm-hmm. if you feel like you're a nerd, then you're a nerd. I don't, you know, I'm not going to test you on your qualifications. <laughs> like I can't name all of the captains of Star Trek either. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Like <laughs> we all have that different is- interests. Yeah, that is a really fascinating thing, I think, when people gatekeep over, like, the extent to which you are a nerd mm-hmm. or, like, mm-hmm. the things that you are, like, how much information you have to know about a one topic right. to be, to mm-hmm. qualify as a nerd, I think is, like, a really odd thing well, like a to fan. do. You, know? you see it in like, fandoms as well. Yeah, like, uh, sure. like, music. You see it in music, for example, yeah. like, especially rock fans, of, like, usually towards women, will be like, yeah. you're, oh, you say you're wearing this band's t-shirt? Name me three of their songs. Can you name all the members of the band, any of their lineups? Like, it it seems like it's, I think it descends from, actually, what we've been talking about. I think most of the time, that is a product of 
or at least much of the time, at least when it comes to nerd stuff, that's a product of people having felt ostracized Mm -hmm. and excluded from spaces and having found a community that they think they can jive with. And they're Mm -hmm. like, ah, yes, I have. These are people like me. This is something that I identify with. This is part of my identity. And then when another person shows up uh, who does not seem to fit into that, uh, that person's idea, like who is clearly from outside of that world, it can uh, it can make a person feel threatened because they're like, well, this is mine. Why? Why are these popular people coming and liking this now? Yeah. It's and so I don't think it's a healthy way of engaging with the topic because ultimately, uh, I think it's better to just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Like, like it's yeah. If you like you said, if you say you're a nerd, fine. There's no point in us getting into a di- any disagreement. Also, it's the word nerd. The definition has changed. Yeah. So like it is. It's not even worth. Uh, actually arguing about, but I think no. it is it is worth at least acknowledging that the people uh, when people come with that idea as a wrong headed as it is, mm-hmm. it is based in I think hurt in a lot of cases, hurt and fear, yeah, um, and then also misogyny. The, yeah. I feel like those <laughs> yeah, tend to yeah, yeah. those <laughs> tend to misogyny and or racism. They tend mm. to like just kind of come together with the hurt and the fear. Yeah. Mm. I mean, mm. it's it's interesting to watch. Like, I remember in high school, because I was like a kid who's like, I was athletic. So I was like, you know, m- my main sport was track and I was very fast for my age. And, you know, so I would like be that kid. So people look at me and go like, oh, yeah, he's a jock. Like, he's built like a jock. He's a jock. Yeah. yeah and then I'd be yeah, sitting yeah. in the back of the class. Right. And then the teacher would ask a question and I'd raise my hand and I'd answer because I was good at school. And so it's like, and then so then you'd see like the kids that were like the smart quote unquote nerdy kids up front being like, look back, like, why are you sitting back there answering these questions? You know, like mm. you need to sit up here and answer these questions. And I'm like, it doesn't matter where I sit. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know the mm. information. Um, speak up. But, um, you know, and so I, it was interesting. Like you talked about, like I could go from like hanging out with kids who were in band to like hanging out with, uh, you know, the kids that were jocks to like just hanging out with like the 12 black kids in our school to like, you know what I mean? Like, and so just jumping. Oh, you had 12, <laughs> man, that's diverse, Only man. when Woo. I moved to the city, yeah. When I, when I, oh, yeah, when okay. I grew up yeah. in, um, so I grew up in a very small town in New Mexico and uh, south of Albuquerque, which most people know Albuquerque. And um, at the time when I was in high school there, before I had to leave for some racist bullshit, I was like one, my family was like one of five families. So at, I think at mm. a given time, there was maybe like five of us um, in the school and it was mostly uh, Hispanic, uh, Native American and white outside of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I moved to the city, it was like, oh my God, there's there's more of us. And it was a culture shock, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> there yeah. were like oh, three uh, more black people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. we've, dressed, we've increased the percentage by so much. Yeah. We had our own space, you know, at the lunchroom. Um, <laughs> people, people just didn't The black watch. table. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. So <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. We, we definitely had a. Um, 
the the POC table at my high school <laughs> yeah. where there was like uh, there was uh, two two kids uh, of uh, Chinese descent and uh, there was um, a kid from uh, India and a kid from the Middle East and then me <laughs> yeah and that was literally like when I first joined it got like way more diverse in like the five years or whatever I was at like uh, secondary or high school mm-hmm. um, but like it was I think just because the town itself that we lived in like expanded like wild because it was like listed as one of like the best places you could live yeah. and whatever and so just naturally like loads more people turned up so by the time I left it was like oh there's like quite a few people here but like it was real like I remember being like yeah I was like I- I'd go a whole day without seeing another person of color yeah and then we had one maths teacher, and uh, man, that guy, he was brave. <laughs> that was a brave guy. <laughs> like, I would not have been that dude. Yeah. Like, nah. And he had a really bad lazy eye as well. It just made it, like, oh. so, like, he was just such an easy target, and yeah. it was, like, it was, oh, it was awful, man. Uh, I was going to ask you yeah. uh, a, a question, which is that we found out, obviously, it wasn't D&D. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your... Uh, entry into the the nerd space. So, what is what was your entry into the nerd space? Um, I mean, f- fantasy fiction for sure um, was for me. Like my my mom is a huge fantasy fiction fan, and my grandmother um, I think is the one that like bestowed that on her kids. And so, uh, like we grew up poor, so especially like Christmas and birthdays. And I love to read anyway. Like, that's what we got was, like, either books or gift cards to the bookstore. And that was, like, the only time we went into the city because we didn't have one in the town I grew up. Um, And so, yeah, like, just growing up and reading uh, tons and tons of of fantasy fiction um, was my thing. I never – I didn't really get into science fiction books so much, um, probably because I wasn't very exposed to it. Uh, But fantasy fiction was, like, the big thing. And then just, like, cartoons – um, you know, superhero cartoons back <clears throat> when I grew when I was growing up, like we still had um, really good cartoons like X-Men, yep. Superman, Batman, um, mm-hmm. things like that. So it was there was a lot of good stuff to watch. And then it was when I was in middle school, high school, that's when like Lord of the Rings started to come out. Matrix started to come out. Um, yeah. You know, like we just had like so much cool media. So I was constantly just like consuming that stuff um i i in high school it was probably my sophomore year i was at my friend's house and his dad had the old D D red box um and so that's when oh, i wow. saw it and my brother and i had played like the old Baldur's gate games and so we were familiar with the words dungeons and dragons but we didn't really know what it was um, sure. And then I saw the box and I was like, oh, what's this? Like, it fucking looks cool. And and he's like, oh, this is called Dungeons and Dragons. Like, my dad will be the, the dungeon master. And he, like, showed me the tiles and, like, the, the character sheets. And I was like, when do we play? And his, I don't know. I think his dad was just, like, <laughs> clean the whole yard. And they had, like, two acres of, of field that we had to go <gasps> clean. And we just never played. Like, that's <laughs> when I grew up, like, all of my friends, we'd go over to each other's house and it was like, okay, you guys are doing yard work because I have, you know, four young boys here who can go pull weeds and then then you can play. And so by the time we were done with that, we are just like, all right, we're playing video games now. Um, so I never got to play then and it wasn't until college that I actually got introduced to it. Um, I had a roommate uh, who I want to say he was black and Puerto Rican and my best friend, um, he moved out there to college with me and so he invited us to his game with uh, like 
four older white guys. And uh, that was the first time I got to play. I got to be a ranger, a shifter. This is around, it was 3.5 times. So yeah, uh, I got to be a shifter ranger with the long sword, short sword combo um, to balance nice. out the uh, attack penalty. And uh, um, yeah. And it was just amazing. I was just like, this is cool. Like I can, I can smell certain things. Like I was like hunting for food for the group and like. You're Wolverine. Yeah. It was Talk about like, talk about (laughs) late nineties, early two thousands. You're now Hugh Jackman. Yeah. You're Hugh Blackman. Yeah. Running around around the woods. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting. You know, one of the things that like instantly fell in love with, uh, with your guys' show was like talking about the different races in D and D. And that was something that instantly, like I was like thinking about it. I was like, I never played a human. Um, And it was because Mm. I just didn't associate humans with being black. And so I was like, go to a shifter or um, Mm -hmm. an orc or a drow or whatever, like to get my POC character. I I honestly, I think we have interviewed a lot of POCs on this show. And I do not think one of them has said, I started off by playing a human, an elf, or a dwarf. (laughs) I don't think any of them that I can recall have said they started off as any of those three, particularly humans. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, yeah, it's just, it it feels, it does feel so, so coded. And then when you get to, you know, I, 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 I 100% I'm always like, man, orcs are cool. You know what I've always <laughs> found funny? I was always just yeah, like, orcs I mean, are dope, are awesome, you know? Yeah. What I've always found funny, too, is, like, how much, like, white supremacy is built into the human character. It's, like, all these other classes, like, you have, especially in the older books, you have abilities, like, bonuses, and then you have some things that you're bad at, right? And humans, it's just, like, pick whatever you want. You can have the world. <laughs> oh, you want to be versatile and get more feats than anybody else? You can do that too, because you're a human and it's fine. <laughs> it's like that's fucked up. Like you know, now we have Tasha's and you know, and some people are yeah, like, "Well, yeah. we've just been doing it on our own forever." Like, cool. But a lot of us read a rule book, and that's what we take as the gospel of what we're supposed to do. So yeah, and hey, look, it gives you a point to argue with your DM when they're like, "Meh." Yeah, you can be like, "Well, now nah, it's in the rules, so you got to let it happen." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's the, like I think the. The fact that the game makes it official is what's yes. important because yeah. it, it speaks to something. It speaks to, I guess, an attitude change mm-hmm. in the in in the creative side of the game. Yeah, because uh, I agree. It is really it it's it's it ties into the human exceptionalism thing that you see in like a lot of science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, where humans are like the special, the most special uh, fantasy species. Yeah. The, the we can we are the most adaptable. We're this. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's all gonna come down to the humans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like, it shows up again and again. Bro, you right. you seen aliens? Yeah, well, and that's what I'm wondering, like. So you're telling me that elves who live for hundreds of years and master everything that they try to do, you're talking about let's say 10,000 elven warriors who have been doing this for hundreds of years are going to yeah. go up against 10,000 30-year-old human warriors and dude, lose yeah, dude, that fight? Yeah, no. Nah. No. No. I'm sorry. It's nah, not no question. These yeah. people have no been question. in their primes for over a century. Yes. Like there's, yeah. there's, or, it's just and then not even, possible. Even then, even then, take dwarves. These yeah. guys have been living underground. They have been making structures out of mountains. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They have literally hollowed out mountains to make great halls. And they have like the best ironworks and all. And and again, 
just, oh no, here comes some Rohirrim on their horses. <laughs> yeah. Nah. No, it's not happening. <laughs> no, no. Meet Hammer. Like, do you know what I mean? Meet yeah. this huge hammer that we made. And, and at least in Lord of the Rings, I'm pretty sure the dwarves also live much longer than humans do. Yeah. If yeah. I'm, unless, I I, yeah. 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 Like, elves are like fully immortal, but dwarves still like live du- a long it's like double, time. I think it's like double or something the humans in, in like yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings fantasy. I'm pretty sure it's 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 still substantially longer. The, the, the excuse they gave is that humans dis- reproduce so much faster than everybody else. Else. Yeah, so but we're we just come rodents. out of the womb like <laughs> incapable of anything. It's not like humans have babies like deer, where it's like you walk out just like or like orcs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not being funny. When orcs are born, they come out getting slapped in the face, like growling. You know what I mean? <laughs> they ready. They come out and kill people. <laughs> That's what I mean. They come out and seconds later, they got a sword in their hand. They're sticking something. Like they're like deer. <laughs> they drop out and they're ready to kill moments later. <laughs> That Urukai that took down the wall at Helm's Deep was four months old. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally. That's not even a joke. That's, like, that's what I mean. They fought like, an army of I'm children. Genuinely, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, literally, we see him get born, like, the scene before. Yeah. And then it cuts a couple months where they walk to Helm's Deep, and then he's there. Like, like <laughs> They yeah. fought a child army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An army of babies. Oh, God. And you lost. And you lost, yeah. So, yeah, I don't buy that argument either that they reproduce faster because I think that's still, like... If, if it would make sense if we walked out like that, like orcs do, but we don't. Um, and so it's just, it's <laughs> yeah, just funny. Out of all of the babies in the animal kingdom, we are like the worst. Yes. Like yeah. even by normal non-fantasy standards, you take any baby in the animal kingdom, it would kick the crap out of it's a like human mar- baby. It goes marsupials and then primates. <laughs> yeah. In terms yeah. of like how pathetic the babies are. Oh, sure. But even like yeah, baby yeah, yeah, chimps yeah. can like hold on to their mother all day. Yeah. They have upper <laughs> body strength. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you put a baby on the back of the mother, the baby would just slide off. Yeah. <laughs> like Don't it wouldn't do that, be. Please. Actually, that's <laughs> yeah. not entirely. Entirely true. Babies, really? as it turns out, have, uh, have incredible grip strength. Yeah. Yeah. Like really? if you take their hands, literally newborn kids, and push your fingers into their palms, babies oh, yeah, they have an, hold of you. Yeah, babies have an instinct to grab and you can lift them. Yeah. Like that's how strong their grip strength is. They actually are semi capable of that yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, not all day. <laughs> It's not, it's still not as good as a chip, yeah. but it's it's better it's better than a little pink jelly bean yes. that has to like crawl out and attach itself to a teat, which a is what you get with our superheroes. <laughs> so that like fair, I'll give them that. Like that's a cool thing that human babies can do. <laughs> yeah, still not enough to beat an elven army, in my opinion. But no, I, I'm fully. No. I'm so right I, I think I think the argument is is just that they're too they're too hoity toity and stuck up, right? They're like, yeah. no, we'll only use bows, even though we know trebuchets are better. Yeah, you know. I'm I just saying. The- I'm calling out the argument because it's bullshit. Because it's just crazy. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it, it it it's nice to see these changes. It's nice to see um, a lot of the improvements, both in the D and D world and in Pathfinder, like the things that have happened uh, there. And so, like, it's good. Even though I don't think Wizard of the Coast or Paizo are necessarily doing all the things that they could do, or that everybody up there cares, it's good that at least. People who have a voice and who have the ability to write this stuff into books and edit it and, you know, make sure Mm. it gets published are having the ability to do that um, to whatever degree that we can. 
And I think even if you take the most cynical view on all of this, like I think that our presence in the space is making a difference yeah. because we're now affecting the where the money gets made. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we are coming in so strong and there are so many of us now demanding these this thing. You know, we're saying, look, we're ready to 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 to, to buy in and we're ready to play the games and we're ready to do all of that stuff, but only if you include this or that or the other. So even if you take the most cynical view, yeah. your your presence in the space is enough to affect the situation. And I do think that that is a, a general, like you can apply that to a lot of different situations. Like people's presence, talking and being like vocal and active in any space will affect change because even even the people that make money are going to go, ah, okay, yeah, we got to yeah. we gotta do it because you know what I mean? Yeah. People, pe- okay, put some brown people in the books. And like, <laughs> hey, the brown people started buying stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Where do these people come from? Yeah. I had no idea that they That's bought this That's all we had to do. Yeah. I do believe they came from underground, like the dwarves. <laughs> the dark elves. Are we Have not to call see- them dark elves anymore? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen their babies? They can hang on for dear life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's so bad. Um, yeah. No, but I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's really good. It is really good that that's happening. Um, and it's amazing. Like, that's the other awesome part of the podcast is, like, because I get to meet people, I've gotten to meet, like, a lot of really cool you know, black and other POC game designers. Mm. And it's like to talk mm. about like what game design has meant to them, <clears throat> you know, how they got started, um, things like that. And so it's amazing to see, you know, projects like Tidebreaker, like um, uh, Into the Motherlands, you know, like uh, Wagadu, mm. and like meet freelancers like Quinn Murphy and stuff like that. Like it's, I just love that like you said, there's more of us out here that we're, you know, being able to affect, affect this space. Mm, mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and before we uh, wrap this up and it like, honestly, genuinely Navas, but it's such a, a pleasure to, yeah, thank to you, talk to you today. Uh, and uh, I, we have to have you back. We need to play some games with you. Yeah. Like, 100% we need to make this Gotta happen. do some My Friend um, Eric. Or yes. you sent, uh, we haven't talked about this, but you sent me the Mwangi Expanse for uh, for Pathfinder, which appears to just beat the pants off of Chult, uh, yes. the D&D uh, Africa-based setting. Uh, I think we could, you could even maybe run run a, a, a Mwangi Expanse game for I us I would love this. You I heard lo- it I play, here I played Pathfinder once first. and I had a good time, so <laughs> yeah. let's do this. Yes. Okay, let's do this. We're yeah, 100%. Um, I am pretty familiar with the Songo halflings which are the black halflings in the book <sighs> we gotta do it Jeremy um, we gotta do we gotta do a three black halflings done. black halflings game you know what you know what has to be done and you know what we have to do as well we have to get some sort of variation of an African trench coat that's what, <laughs> do you know what I mean that's, that's what I'm saying yes in that's a trench saying. coat we need to get in a trench coat I'm, I'm winning to do it African trench coat now. <laughs> Yep. Um, but uh, Navar, what a pleasure to talk to you. Please, can you tell all of the halflings where they can find uh, your podcast and you on the Tinterwebs? Yeah, so um, Secret Nerd Podcast, wherever you listen, um, please, you know, go in and uh, follow, subscribe, rate. Um, it helps a lot. Um, but yeah, so Secret Nerd mm-hmm. Podcast, and then Secret NRD Social on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to follow me there, I'm most active on Twitter, but I do have an Instagram where I kind of post promotional trailers for each episode. Um, and that is Secret Nerd Podcast on Instagram. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, weren't that 
nice. Weren't that <laughs> lovely, eh? We had a nice trip there with our dearest friend, friend Navar Jackson. Navar. 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 Olivia's back. Hello, Liv. Hello. Hello there. Hello, I wasn't Hello, there. Liv. I went off for a cup of tea, pets. I went off for a I cup actually, of tea. I actually don't back. think you'd moved in at the time there, uh, Liv. I don't think you were actually oh, living yeah. in the your uh, hobbit hole no, at the time. I was not. No, I was in a different different hill. Yeah, oh, real in the shire. The opposite. <laughs> a different hill. <laughs> yeah. It's adjacent. I don't know why. It's adjacent. It's adjacent. It's adjacent. See, the thing, this is so funny. So Jeremy's problem was when he tried to do this accent was that the second he added any gravel to his voice, he just became Yarr. a pirate. And Yarr. then your problem is, Yarr. is you're doing pirate with none of the gravel. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're like, yar. 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 All right, my love. Like the cutest pirate ever. <laughs> can, some, can we each take turns saying, ooh, ooh, dearie, me turnips in this accent? <laughs> Absolutely. Ooh, dearie, okay. me turnips. <laughs> Such a pirate! Okay. It's just a pirate voice. <laughs> oh, dearie me turnips! <laughs> right? right. Oh, dearie me turnips! Oh, that's very good. I did. I did do this accent for like nineteen months straight. So if I can't do it, I'm really. <laughs> There is something deeply wrong. <laughs> um, but yes, I hope that you uh, enjoyed our conversations with uh, the amazing Navar Jackson. Please go and follow um, all of uh, his stuff. It's very, very cool. And as said, I think my episode uh, with Navar will be up by the time you are listening to this. So you can head over to the Secret uh, Nerd yeah. Podcast and check that out. I had a really, really great chat with Navar. And mine's Navarre. done been up. Yeah, yours yours been up for Ooh. a minute now, so you they you can no, definitely we, go and listen. Where's to that. where's lives? We, we need to get, get lives. On there. We need to get lives. We need to get lives. Absolutely. Liv's still on there. Still, Liv's still on the flex. I love it. Yeah, no, absolutely yeah. love it. This is the kind of commitment we brought you here for, Liv, and I love it. Um, <laughs> You're yeah, welcome. Do, do not drop commit it. to the bit, a eh, love. Hey, you gotta commit oh, to the bit, yeah. haven't you? Commit. To oh, the never bit. stop um, doing the bit. Mm. Would anyone like a pie? Right. Um, is this just how Liv talks now? <laughs> talks now. Why I? I don't. I'm getting mixed yeah, up. Why I, man? Why I? It's me, Liv Kennedy. Why? <laughs> hey, up, on. Oh, that's funny. Um, oh, but uh, so yes. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode, uh, Jeremy. Please tell everyone where people can find you on the Tinterwebs. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Cobb One. That's Cobb with two B's and the number one. And Liv, where can people find you on the Tinterwebs? Or you can find me on Twitter at Does Dark Magic. Right. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at JW underscore Cartwright and the show at three. That's the number three black halflings. Uh, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash TV halflings. And we also have merch. Check it out. It's all in the show notes below. You don't even need me to say these links anymore. It's in the show notes below. Go click on the links. It's much easier than typing it into a web browser. Who does that anymore? Honestly. Right, <laughs> shall we go and end this era episode? Because uh, it's Yarr. gone on for Yarr. too long. Yes, this end it here. Yarr. Yarr. Right, Yarr. well, me lovers, I thank you very much for coming along, and we will see you very soon. So long, Shire folk. So long, Shire. Sing folk. it in the accent, Liv. Don't back out. Don't back out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so long, Shire folk. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I need to clip the, the noise that you just made when I said when I said don't back out, sing it. You went like like this. <laughs> that was the funniest noise. That is now making that now has to be in the intro. You've well done. You've got your you've got your first bit in the intro. was a HeadGum original.